0: I have to join the call I was just sitting there like looking at the screen and looking like I'm in the call and then all of a sudden I noticed that I have a join call button too and I'm like weird I don't see Ted in the
1: you weren't even in it yet
0: no Like
1: oh god
0: that's an extra step that makes no sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It does. It does not. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like I'm. I'm uh, having a party. It's all set up in my house. Uh, I'm just gonna be right outside the
1: door. Like what? No, <laughs> just, just stay in right your- outside the door whenever you guys all get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess like no, you'd have to have to say like I'll be I'll be out in the garage for whenever yeah. you guys get here because like you would see the people come in if you're outside, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I have to be somewhere else where <laughs> you're, I'm
1: you're either out in the backyard or out in the garage. Yeah. Or even just like
0: I'm gonna be down the street. Like
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. so I'm not
0: even gonna yeah. be near the house. <laughs> but as far as that being the only hiccup we've had with this, have you listened, by the way, to the to either Wavefile or the uh, pre-produced
1: um i didn't i track. didn't listen to the pre-produced because i i end up um switching out my audio track for my locally recorded one anyway but but that's that's the case with both zencaster and libsyn is that it doesn't pick up a, a lot of uh a lot of like lower end audio but honestly i i think it's uh, much better in that it doesn't drop the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nice. I once again didn't know that this was a longer episode.
0: I thought um, about texting you, but it was like, it would have been 10 your time. You are probably still up, but I was going to give you a heads up because I know sometimes you start at like 9 o'clock on the dot <laughs> to watch oh, a 30-minute yeah, episode. I,
1: well, yeah, thankfully I started it early this yeah. morning with the plan to get some breakfast after the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Like 9 – I figured a 30-minute episode would have ended for me at 9.08, and we would have started recording at 9.30. I'm like, okay, that's that's plenty enough time. 9.10 comes and goes. 9.15 comes and goes. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, motherfucker, this is another long one. And at that point, I pause it, and I'm like, I still have 10 minutes left? Oh, god damn it. Because it, it was feeling long, you yeah, know? Because yeah. the, the 30 minutes was, like, coming up right around – I mean we'll we'll get into it. I don't really think anyone's cared about spoilers right, um, right whenever Larry's laying in the hospital bed and then I think Larry dies at thirty minutes and I'm like, wow. okay wow we're we're just gonna end it like that. No, nope, <laughs> sure aren't,
0: yeah, yeah, you got a while and i'm I'm glad they didn't. that would have been a pretty bad episode. um
1: <laughs> see, I don't know, I think that would have been funny, like especially <laughs> if we pick up like season six right there.
0: yeah, <laughs> that would have shown to me that Larry doesn't have. An idea, what he's doing, (laughs) because he was like, "Yeah, that's it. I'm done. I'm done forever. Now I'm gonna kill myself, and that way, uh, you know, kill my (laughs) character in the show, and that way I'll never have to do it again." Um, And then he'll go, "Oh, dang it! I wanna do." I have a good idea for a season six. Dang it! Oh, and I need some money. (laughs) Yeah. So I like the the nine hundred
1: million dollars I have for Seinfeld isn't enough money.
0: Yeah, so, well, all right, should we just get going? Sounds like we just want to get going. Might as well, yeah. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning.
1: It's a show about one thing, watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time.
0: I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Halliwell. And today we will be talking about Season 5, Episode 10, the Season 5 finale, The End, appropriately titled. Uh, But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, which was the Korean bookie. And Ted and I wanted to know... Well, we didn't really want to, but we decided we have to know what is the deal <laughs> with the myth that Koreans eat dog. And so I dug into the uh, you know extensive background on all of this. And I mean, I, I guess it's, it's kind of weird, Ted, because I'm like, the fact that we wholeheartedly refuse to believe it kind of makes us the racists because they do do it. And all right. Yeah, the practice huh. of dog meat the practice of, uh, of eating dog meat in Korea originated predominantly from the Kitan refugees who spilled into Korea during the Koryo Cor- dynasty in 918. Hmm. So it's okay. been, uh, yeah, been going on a long time. As a general practice, dog meat has never been a mainstream part of the Korean diet throughout the nation's history. The largest dog meat market, Moran Market, officially shut down in 2018 following years of declining sales. Though some illegal sales were discovered in 2021, and I guess by that they mean kind of like the way deer meat is sold in, I guess, all is it all of the U.S.? You can't really sell it if your buddy's a hunter and he's like, hey, yeah, I'm selling deer meat. Like, that's illegal, I, you know? I think, like, I think so.
1: I'm yeah. not not totally sure. Yeah, honestly. I don't know the rules I, either. All
0: I know is I'd love to buy venison, and I can't.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you two, have to, like, know a guy who knows a guy who knows a butcher. Something yeah, like and that.
0: or like just be given to by your friend or whatever, because mm-hmm. like we know you and I know somebody whose husband went up the river because of like selling deer meat or whatever. Remember that?
1: Wait, what? Really? I, I'll,
0: I'll edit this out, but it, yeah. T- remember?
1: Oh, I had no idea. Oh, you
0: didn't? Oh man. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, okay. In June of 2018, a South Korean municipal court ruled that killing dogs for their meat was illegal, though this law did not make it illegal to consume dog meat. So again, kind of that weird gray area. In fact, where was it? I'll have to get to this. So there's, that's, this is all from Wikipedia. In a 2020 survey, 84% of the Korean population reported never having consumed dog meat or having ever had plans or any other any future plans to do so. It's not on a lot of people's lists. 84% of the Korean population said, I've never done it. I have no plans to do it. So I found this article in USA Today from 2019 that said South Koreans eat more than 1 million dogs each year, which is high to me in 2019. But they said it's changing. But it was a longstanding custom in South Korea and other Asian nations. Let me see. About 2.5 million dogs are raised in South Korean dog farms each year. About a million are killed and eaten. The rest are used for breeding, with many dogs dying because of the farm's high mortality rates, according to the Humane Society International. The South Korean mindset towards dogs began changing in the 80s and 90s as the nation grew wealthier and Western influence increased. Younger Koreans began advocating for the abolishment of dog farms, some acquiring dogs as pets, which is interesting. It wasn't a cultural thing in Korea until like the 80s and 90s to to have a dog as a pet. It's just wild. Hmm. These developments counter a long history, which suggests Koreans have been eating dogs for more than a thousand years. They were a familiar food source during the near starvation years of Japan's brutal occupation of Korea uh, during World War II and the Korean War. These days, South Koreans who eat dog meat eat much of it during baknal, the hottest days of the year in July and August. Some people believe consuming it revives energy or virility, sapped by the heat. And usually when you find people eating something that's like ethically incorrect, it, it always comes back to like, yeah, but it makes me virile. That's always oh God, like, yeah. but it gives me sexual powers. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's going
1: to make me live forever and fuck <laughs> for an entire day. Yeah,
0: exactly. They consider dog meat in bosun stew or the drink gai soju as a soup form of Gatorade, which is weird. Let me boil you up some Ew. hot Gatorade. <laughs> God. Hey baby, you want some hot Gatorade? <laughs> What's the movie where he makes hot Mountain Dew? Damn. Oh, it. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, that's gonna kill me. All right, um, hang on. No, we'll see. Now I'm just getting the flaming hot Mountain Dew. Uh, I'm not gonna find it. Oh well. So about 70% of South Korea's 51.5 million population disapprove of eating dogs. So that was back in 2019. Oh, I'm sorry. That was back in 2017. And the number of dog farms has been reduced. Nearly 17,000 remain in South Korea, though. However, the number of South Koreans surveyed who say they would not eat dog meat is growing. The South Korean legal discord over dog meat is akin to... uh, Here's another good. So we were talking about deer meat being a weird legal gray area. This article compares it to U.S. use on marijuana. So, you know, recreational use of marijuana is effectively legal in some states, but federal law continues to classify it as a controlled substance. So it's that kind of weird thing where... You know, yeah, dog meat's illegal to produce. Of course, you can still eat it, but you can't buy it (laughs) or make it. Like, well, how am I supposed to... Until 2018 in the U.S., it was extremely rare. So get this. In my research for this, Ted, I found something that we'll agree was a satisfactory move by Trump. Until 2018, it was legal in 44 states to kill dogs and cats for food. Until... President Trump signed the Dog and Cat Meat Prohibition Act on December 20th, 2018, which makes it a federal offense to slaughter, trade, import or export dogs and cats for human consumption.
1: Oh, my God. You're you're really going to you're really going to do this to me, aren't you? You're (laughs) you're really you're really going to make me say, Tim, well, in this one instance, thank God for President Trump.
0: (laughs) That's our poll quote right there. (laughs)
1: Take that out there of context. Is.
0: There it is. That's our out of, co- out of context. I was like, why is no one talking about that? <laughs> like, no one
1: wants to talk about the one good thing that he did. Yeah.
0: Like now, we literally can't say Donald Trump didn't do anything good.
1: No, he, he did he did at the very least one good thing. Yeah, like that sh- he he should be riffing on that for like an hour. Like that should, uh, be, that should be like his main thing.
0: You imagine know? the racial riff saying that oh, you know, Obama the Muslim loves eating dogs. He wouldn't make it illegal. I made it illegal. Make it a racial thing. It already oh, is. God. Like that's right in your wheelhouse, dude. You should be riffing on that for forty-five minutes minimum during your rallies. <laughs>
1: That should be your opener and your closer. Yes. I mean, that should the, be your Do You Believe in Love by Cher. Yeah. Yeah. The Cher song.
0: <laughs> okay, so the other thing... So that's all about, you know, uh, Koreans and dogs. So, I mean, it, it is kind of weird that we're like, they don't do that, no way. And they actually, you know, have... There's a tradition of it for a long time. So it's nothing to be exploited or stereotyped still. I think we both agree. It's still disgusting to do that. Like, it doesn't make the episode any better, but... Still, uh, I was shocked to find out that it wasn't necessarily, like, a myth based on one dude, like, who went to jail for it or something over there. Uh, I was curious, though, what dish they were eating at the wedding reception that was m- supposedly made with dog, and it's polgoki. Pu- Pogoki is a barbecue beef, one of the most popular dishes in Korea, and also Westerners like it. Pagoki literally means fire beef, but it is generally called here in the States Korean barbecue. Thin, tender slices of beef marinated in a sauce and cooked over a hot charcoal grill at the table. So it's kind of like Korean's version of uh, hibachi, you know, the, hmm. the uh, okay, yeah. Benihana kind of thing. So I remember when I was growing up, it seemed to be a remnant of like, it seemed like in the 80s it might have been a popular like trendy, like fondue restaurants almost were in the early 2000s. It was like a cool, like, yeah, we're going to Korean barbecue. You know, they cook the meat right there and you, you like loaded up a bowl and then they cooked the meat and, and you put. So it was like a thing that, that I saw a lot of growing up that was like kind of on its way out. Uh, but I remember Korean barbecue places being rather popular and trendy. Uh, in this episode, I don't know why someone felt the need to point this out in the trivia section of IMDB, but it is pretty funny. In this episode, <laughs> we see Larry David wearing the same kind of hat That he made fun of when a different character wore it in the episode Porno Gill," a cowboy hat with a bolo string. Remember the guy who wouldn't help him get his errant golf ball that kind of like went over by him and Larry had to bend down and pick it up and he like resented the guy for it. And he was wearing a cowboy hat with a a bolo string up under his chin and Larry's doing that in this episode. So I guess... uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what the point of pointing that out was. It takes an eagle eye to do that, but I thought it was kind of a funny, funny thing to mention by this person. Like, oh, well, uh, like it's his question at Comic Con. Yes, uh, Mr. David, I noticed in uh, the 2000 episode "Porno Gill," <laughs> you make fun of a man for wearing a hat with a string pulled up under his. But yet, a few <laughs> years later in season five, <laughs> you, sir,
1: are wearing that same hat. How do you explain this, sir? And then, whenever I asked him that, everyone applauded and yeah.
0: cheered. The room stood up and applauded,
1: and everyone high-fived me. And that man was Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> Just hours before he went to his firefighter shift That's in New right. York City. T I L. Um okay, so that is all from <laughs> trivia and tidbits and
0: stuff uh, and Reddit in jokes. Uh let us now consult the book. In this episode, David's friend, Larry David. It's weird in this in this book they call him David all the time. By his last name They're like say Larry.
1: Yeah, this isn't. Why do we have to be so
0: formal in the Curb Your Enthusiasm book? I always correct it, but that I I missed it. Uh, Larry David's friend Bobby Kelton told him a story that inspired the storyline about being fake upset about Oscar the Dog. So here's Larry's story. There was a comic named George Miller who passed away. He was a friend of mine, and he was kind of ill. And one night I was watching the Giants Angels World Series, and the Giants blew the World Series, and I was out of my mind. And ten minutes later, I get a call, and I have to rush down to Cedar Sinai. I'm sitting outside intensive care and my head's in my hands, and I'm not looking up, and it's all because the Giants have blown the World Series, not because my friend had emergency brain surgery. All these doctors were asking how I was doing. Little did they know what I was really bummed about. So I got no indication that he even had any money on it, just that he was rooting for the Giants, but maybe he did have a a sizable sum of money on it. Uh, So what were they thinking from the What They Were Thinking section of the book? Iris Barr, who played Rachel Heinemann, said, They gave me those silicone cutlets to wear for my boob job, And I had to get the okay from Larry, who kept wanting them bigger. So I put two more in. At one point, I had six in, and my boobs were jutting out two feet from my body. I had no idea how massive they had become until I saw the crew photo and finally realized why everyone in the crew was smiling at me so much that day. Needless to say, at the end of the day, when I took them out, I felt severely inadequate. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, And Brian Gordon, the director i guess of this episode the korean book he said i actually feel that it's to larry's credit that he doesn't shy away from who he is the way he treats religion is relentless as much as he makes fun of other cultures he makes fun of judaism i think he really respects the culture he's a satirist able to surgically skewer every religion and there's some truth to that but also like that's what we were talking about last week with the hey i'm an asshole and i know it kind of person it's like yeah yeah I i make fun of everybody but you know what i make fun of myself too it's like that doesn't make it okay. Like, hey, I'm an equal opportunity offender. You know, I don't care. I talk about myself. I talk about other people. Like, that's... The, just because you talk about yourself disparagingly doesn't mean other people will give you a pass for doing it to them. You know, it's like... you. it's Only one of those things is okay. And it doesn't give you a pass to do the other. So, it's just it's just kind of weird when people use that excuse. Uh, so, that is all from the book. You may be seated. All right. Do we got any news or anything this week? I don't think there's Curb Your Enthusiasm news. But did you see that... I think you should leave season 3 comes out on May 30th. Yes, I did. Oh did yeah. You,
1: did you see my uh my Instagram story about no, it? No, no I didn't. <laughs> so, I uh, I posted I can't think of literally a worse birthday present for my father than <laughs> season 3 of I think you should leave because he just doesn't he doesn't really care for that type of comedy.
0: But I did find some news in the meantime. Nothing Forever is back on Twitch, but it's been completely recast. Oh, no. Yeah. So Larry Feinberg is gone. Everybody's gone. Now, Larry is now Leo Borges, and he's a blogger. And he begins every episode instead of on stage doing stand-up, writing a blog called Borges Boredom Board. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <laughs> about a totally random subject and so kramer is gone uh zoltan cackler is now nick sterling yvonne torres aka elaine is now kelly coffee george costanza aka fred katsopoulos is now manfred freeman and wow. he hasn't even and as of the writing uh, of this article has not even made an appearance in season two yet although i i think i saw him <laughs> when i tuned in and everything's still there and the, but this article says much of what made nothing forever entertaining have been stamped out. and now, now, alongside just standing around, they seem to largely talk about a pizza place they never actually visit. Um, so <laughs> it is still kind of clunky and just stilted, weird AI dialogue and laugh tracks. But I agree. It has lost something. Unfortunately, I guess that's what happens when you, when you get canceled for you know, an anti-trans joke. Uh, and then I saw this on Snopes that takes us back to a 1995 Seinfeld episode and this IMDb fact that we could not corroborate. It was one of those things that we found on IMDb and all we could find in homework and research was articles that just referenced each other, that Peter Dinklage was the voice of a wake-up call guy in the 1995 Seinfeld episode, The Wing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so everyone says that that's Peter Dinklage before he was famous. He just needed a job. They needed a sexy, deep voice guy. And so... The James character, though, was played by Brian McNamara. And, but Dinklage has this credit on IMDb. And Snopes reached out to representatives of Peter Dinklage for comment. They didn't receive a response. But the, they did hear back from a representative for Brian McNamara who said, Brian has heard this rumor before, but in fact it is Brian's voice. So because the claim is based on a decade-old YouTube video and out-of-date and incorrect information posted to IMDb, and because McNamara's representative told Snopes the voice belongs to him, they're saying this claim is false and myth busted that Peter Dinklage was the the voice on the telephone. Just just kind of sounds like him. You know, we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe more. There'll be more to this story now that it sort of popped back up because that's like a March 10th. Like it literally was just posted on Snopes that they decided to look into this. So now we need we need to hear from Peter Dinklage. I'm not going to be happy until I hear from him. But uh, that's all the news that, that we had from this week.
1: All right. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last, oh, God, I'm not even in the tab <laughs> anymore, uh, 40 minutes yeah, uh, a... being exclusively research and bullshit. But we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on on. on Twitter or no hugging, no learning show. At gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating and a written review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I know Spotify only does the rating. You can't really do the written review, but if you use either of those apps, please consider doing that. It really does help us out. Gets us in front of uh, more ears than uh than we are currently, which is always a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm, T- mm-hmm. Tell your friends about the show as well. If you know someone who likes Seinfeld, if you know someone who likes curb your enthusiasm if you just know someone Uh who likes two white men (laughs) rambling about things that happen to them tell them about the show because that's a lot of uh, what our patreon is anymore speaking of patreon if you like us a little bit more you can give us five dollars a month and we will give you early access to all of the episodes we release not just the free feed versions either baby no Mm. we got extended episodes over on patreon ranging from you know Five minutes longer to a half an hour longer. It's all the stuff that we clip out of the free feed. It's got all of our extended rambles, all of our extended tangents. It it does not have Tim and I talking about our former (laughs) co-worker spouses getting arrested, though. That gets cut out entirely. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep that's just for super duper patrons
1: that, that, yeah that's just super duper patrons aka my wife listening through the wall yeah and tim's <laughs> wife listening through the door yes <laughs> but yeah five dollars a month over at patreon.com slash no hugging we'll get you all of that stuff as well as some seinfeld extended universe movie reviews um which uh we gotta gotta record one I soon know. tim Uh, whatever whatever movie you want to do uh grace said that she uh misses being on so she would like to do one soon as well yeah we can uh, we can probably make that happen i was gonna like i
0: i I just had this these things hanging over my head for that we volunteered for but i'm done with one of them like on tuesday so i don't know maybe we can do like i don't know we can text about it later but yeah yeah, i think i want to i I think i want to do another american teen sex comedy
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Let's bring back. uh, uh, I don't even remember what we were calling the series. We did one episode of the series and uh, and called it called it a day. Yeah, I guess that was it. it Yeah, we we only did road trip. Yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) Um, I I told uh, or no, I uh, I asked Grace what she wanted to do, and she's like, "Can you please find a way that we can talk about Cocaine Bear?" (laughs) <laughs> and and Tim, yeah. I found a way that we can talk about cocaine bear because oh, really? the only common connection between cocaine bear and Seinfeld or cocaine bear and Curb Your Enthusiasm is Elizabeth Banks, the director of Cocaine Bear. Wow. Apparently she's on Curb Your Enthusiasm at some point. Huh. We just haven't gotten to it yet.
0: Yeah. Wild. Yeah, I don't I don't remember her on there, but sure. <laughs> Have yeah. you seen
1: Cocaine Bear? No, I did not. <laughs> I would prefer to wait until it's available for streaming, but I'll do whatever. Okay. Well, we can uh, we can do whatever. Okay. So yeah, we we can we can do uh, an American an American teen sex comedy or something. Sweet. I've got to narrow down to,
0: and maybe I'll let you pick the final one then. Sex Drive or Euro Trip. I mean, I Ooh. think we'll do both
1: of them eventually, but yeah. I mean, we did road trip. We first, did road so trip. So we should probably yeah. do Euro trip. I right. mean, we don't want to lose the story elements that'll make us totally lost in <laughs> Euro trip. Okay, season five, episode ten, the end. Original air dates December fourth, two thousand and five. If you are looking in TV guide the night of December fourth, you are going to see in the season five finale, Larry is changed by a trip to Arizona.
0: Damn it! It's not bad. Wow. Okay, we we'll see if we can make it better at the end, but it's it's pretty good. Uh so we open with Larry selling Jeff uh his old Prius that their nanny is going to use and they agree on whatever's fair and Jeff says, "Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you blue book value." And they agree on that. Meanwhile, Cheryl comes out and and this was like I thought they were at Jeff's house, but Cheryl comes out, and she's holding the cordless phone. I'm like, is this, like, Larry's new house or something? He moved back into his old house because of... I'm
1: very confused
0: here. (laughs) It was weird, yeah. It was not the house that we've seen all season. Um, So I guess renovations are done, and they're not renting that house anymore. Yeah, they're (laughs) Um,
1: they're back in their regular house, apparently.
0: Yeah, which looks tiny compared to... Because they're like, maybe this is just a weird garage and side door, but it looked like... A main entrance to me and i don't know but cheryl uh, comes out and she has heard that lewis lewis has come out of his coma whoa so over at saint matthews medical center larry is there uh, at the bedside it's weird that larry's the only person there like yeah. i guess maybe yeah, the he rest... has
1: no closer family <laughs> yeah.
0: i guess no i know, I know
1: lewis lewis is richard's cousin but like lewis lewis doesn't have parents or yeah. a brother or a, 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 any other family, any closer cousins than Richie? I guess not. I mean, we did kind of hear at the beginning of the season, like,
0: this is the last, the like, Richard's only hope for a family member. So I guess maybe this is Richard Lewis's last living relative. <laughs> like, the Lewis line is going to die after these two guys <laughs> keel over. Like, that's the end of it, um, because there's no offspring or anything. So Larry is their bedside as... An enthusiastic Lewis Lewis is re-entering life uh, and, and emerging from his coma. Just He's so refreshed. I like that. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so refreshed. I, people should do this more often or something like that. <laughs> um, which I find interesting that, you know, obviously there's some sort of fascination with comas because we had a good coma storyline in Seinfeld where, A, Kramer didn't know that you could come out of them. So he, like, signed up for a living will. Remember, they were like, if I'm in a coma, pull the plug immediately. And then he watched the rest of the movie that made him do that. And he was like, she wakes up. I didn't know he could wake up. But there was also, at some point, like, I don't know, maybe, man, I think it was Seinfeld. He was like, I don't know, maybe comas are great. Maybe, you, you know, maybe uh, you wake up and you do feel refreshed. Or it, I feel like there's a, a concurrent line of thought between Seinfeld and uh, and and this kind of uh, Curb your enthusiasm storyline but uh, he is as Larry is leaving Richard Lewis is finally showing up to see his cousin who has emerged from the coma after all these months and they pass in the hallway Richard Lewis is like limping and glaring at Larry like uh, like a like a movie villain or something he looks like a, he's like a Disney villain like clumping down the hallway uh, on his cane and just glare they don't even share any words they just sort of stare at each other larry terrified and and richard lewis you know very I,
1: yeah and i i loved the uh i loved the look of this shot because it's not often that we get you know conceptual shots yeah. in in curb you know the uh, the only thing i can really think about was the one shot at the pool where larry is like commenting on the uh the child's penis do you remember yeah. what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah that, like that, the, yeah. the one shot where like the camera like zooms in and like comes into larry
0: yeah yeah but came, like, th- like this down was... from a crane shot and like swoop yeah. around the crowd as they're moving around and stuff yeah
1: yeah but like this and larry even says it's like richard was like the specter of death and i'm like <laughs> oh that's what they were going for well i it it definitely worked i yeah, thought you just see it, his it looked silhouette. really good
0: in the like backlit in the hallway and then yeah when he passed it i agree and that's larry charles this is a larry charles episode so i think you know you could see him moving on to motion pictures that's his yeah
1: that's his legacy yeah. for sure yeah is uh m- making making things look a lot better than they probably need to <laughs> yeah giving like a
0: cinematic bent to curb yeah and larry is haunted by the look that richard gave him at, when he's back at home talking to cheryl uh cheryl is more concerned with dvd case for a sopranos dvd that she has misplaced but it cannot be larry's fault he says because he has a system anytime he watches a dvd he puts the case on top of the tv which of course gives you a little insight into where tv technology was in 2005 you could put a they could rest a dvd case on top of them you know what i mean (laughs) they weren't necessarily flat panels yet yeah just maybe flat screens Uh, I know my TV in, like, 2003, 4, 5 probably was – it had a back to it, you know? It had – it was HD, <laughs> but it definitely had – it was definitely deep, like, by, yeah. I don't know, three feet like, or something. <laughs> Maybe not that th- much, but
1: – This just makes me think of uh, – you should see our very first uh, Blu-ray player that we got yeah. at, at my dad's house. Like, it's long <laughs> and it's wide. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Larry has a system, so he can't be the one that lost the DVD case. Uh, Meanwhile, Omar calls, and he has some info for Larry, and he wants to set up a meeting. So the next day, at Omar's, Larry finds out that he's adopted. His parents are Mr. and Mrs. Cone, and they live in Bisbee, Arizona, and they're expecting your call. And Larry is kind of catatonic at first, but then he runs to a nearby store where... Cheryl is mid, she's like topless in the changing room trying on stuff at the store.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) what happened here? Like, A, how does Larry know that Cheryl's in this store? (laughs) B, how does he know what changing room she's in?
0: Yeah, because it is, I mean, it is one of those that has kind of the Western saloon style doors, but she's kind of short and and the, the camera has to kind of go up over the door to let us know what's going on in that room. So it is pretty funny that he just barged in. Uh, to this changing room while she was naked uh, or at least in some state of undress uh, and my so my head cannon for this again curb kind of makes us do our own legwork a lot of times is that he's like oh I got to go down to the you know like there's always people going along for the ride in curb like Jeff and Larry are always together like oh I got to go down there you want to come with me oh, I don't want to you know like people are always oh, I don't want to drive down there why don't we drive together or whatever and so that's my guess as a was like oh you know there's a store I like right near Omar's office I'll go with you and I'll go into the store while you go me with Omar or something like that. That's my headcanon for this. Uh, <laughs> and he tells her the news. He's just super excited and obviously very happy and enthusiastic about this news. Uh, so Larry is flying to Arizona, presumably, as we find out as well. Uh, and But he's panicking about being in the exit row because he does not feel like in the heat of the moment he will be able to fulfill the duties of the person sitting in the exit row. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of things I liked about the scene. One is... It is always kind of funny when they, I I wish they had started it the way it always starts with like, okay, you're, you know, if you've been on a plane near the exit row, you know, they have a spiel like, okay, you're seated in an exit row in the event of an emergency. Do you feel blah, 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 blah. And like, you have to give them an audible yes. Or like, I need an audible yes from all of you. Okay. And then once they, that's done. So I like that, that he was kind of playing with that. Nobody else on the plane gets a speech about something they have to do in an emergency, you know, for anybody yeah. else anyway. It's yeah. like, here's a, here's how you save your own ass. But, like, these people, they, like, are <laughs> signing a verbal contract before the plane takes off. So I like, you know, him panicking about that and making a big deal out of it. And I also like the – when he goes – because this is not an offensive – term when he's like she's like did you read the brochure he's like I, I can't read that it's all chinese to me and he's sitting next to an asian woman he's like no, i'm sorry it's just a saying you know <laughs> like he offended her by saying that but it's totally okay to say it because it's not like saying chinese is a dumb gobbledygook language it's saying i don't speak chinese you know and so reading that is like it's like chinese to me it's like saying it's yeah. greek to me and, or whatever
1: yeah and i know tim you're just saying that is like saying gibberish but like using yeah. that using that term in in context of like talking about chinese might not want to do that
0: it, uh, it stuck out to me too i was hoping yeah. you would not point it out so thank you yeah, it's, it's okay
1: <laughs> you know live and learn it, it's okay
0: yeah um but but then he like keeps going back to it. he's like are you chinese i don't even know you kind of look thai are you thai chinese <laughs> thai uh... yeah this was uh this was weird i don't know how to feel about this one <laughs> It, but, it, but it turns out she is Ty, and she's like, yeah, you're th- I knew it, I knew it, Ty, okay. <laughs> but he's just like, he just has verbal diarrhea because he's panicking about sitting in the, the exit row. So in Bisbee, Arizona, I wonder if that's a real place. I'm just going to look it up right now. I should have done it It's got to be, right? Yeah, the sign looked fake as hell. Like, it looked like a production, but no, Bisbee, Arizona. Oh, but it's not spelled B-I-S-B-Y like it was in the show, because that's what I wrote down. It's
1: spelled... B-I-S-B-E-E, and it is, uh, yeah, so... Well, what was weird was in the captions, in the subtitles, whenever Omar Jones says, yeah, they live in Bisbee, Arizona, it spelled out B-I-S-B-E-E, but the sign, you're right, said B-I-S-B-Y.
0: Yeah, and it is, like, right on the Mexican border. I mean, you almost can't get any... I don't think there's a town closer to uh, the... Oh, wait, well, it looks like there is a... There's a NACO, N-A-C-O, Arizona, that is, like, the word NACO sits on the line of the border, and there's a NACO Mexico, too, so the town itself, wow, it's crazy. It's like, if you lived on International Road in NACO, you could have a neighbor across the street who lives in the United States, and you live on, you live in Mexico. It's like that, <laughs> it's just split right down the middle, so you can get a little closer, but I mean, it's like walking distance to the to the border, so um pretty interesting about Bisbee Arizona but where the fictional Bisbee is compared to Bisbee I don't I don't know but uh, that's uh you know he pulls up to a, a nice like white picket fence ideal suburban home and he, you know he knocks on the door and the guy that opens it looks exactly like him
1: <laughs> God, I love... yeah just looks like Larry but <laughs> older and totally yeah. like and shorter hair on the sides
0: yeah a bald guy exact same glasses exact same fashion they're both wearing the exact same thing like larry, the larry david you know standard outfit larry david 1.0 it's like the undershirt polo and the blazer over it and the like kind of like frumpy slacks and they're dressed exactly the same which is funny to me that like that's the way like that's hereditary you know like your fashion sense (laughs) i thought that was hilarious um and they're talking about the adoption and why he uh you know why they gave him up for adoption and that he was coming back from the war and they had just met and and it was just too soon or whatever and and um what the wife is from Illinois and the dad is from Virginia at that point Larry's like wait wait a second how do you spell your last name because I thought this was a good switcheroo because to me when Omar Jones said it it did sound like Cohen which is a standard you know Jewish last name surname but he's like wait how do you spell your last name and they say Cone C O N E and Larry. All of a sudden clocks what's going on, and he sees the picture of Jesus on the wall, and he's like, oh, he has this realization, I'm Gentile.
1: God. <laughs> this is another joke ruined by the subtitles, because whenever Omar says their last name, it says, oh. yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Cone, C-O-N-E. Ruined. ruined. Yeah, absolutely ruined. And then we go through, like, that whole, whole thing. Of like, oh, what's your last name? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they're gonna spell Cone, Cone, C-O-N-E. What? Yeah, like, yeah. Ah, we, we, we we knew that, or I knew that.
0: Anyway. <laughs> uh, by the way, the way did you recognize Mrs. Cone?
1: Mm, I don't know. Should her name I? is
0: Her name is June Squibb, and she was nominated for an Oscar, probably a long time ago at this point, for the um, the movie Nebraska. I want to say. But she's been, you know, she's just one of these actresses that has been around for, for a long time and in a ton of stuff. Yeah, but she was nominated in 2013, so 10 years ago, uh, for Best Supporting Actress in the film Nebraska, which was the um, uh, you, uh, Forte, Will Forte movie, where he kind of went a little, um, at least I think that was it. Maybe it wasn't. Anyway, uh, yeah, so she's just been in, you know, just one of those actresses, been in a ton of stuff, but uh, got some notoriety much later in her life for that that role. And uh, so Larry realizes now that he's Gentile, and so they're walking through the little town of Bisbee, Arizona. And Larry is Larry's now decided that he has to dress like a yokel uh, because he's a oh Gentile. Oh my god! Yeah, wearing wearing
1: a sun hat and a teal TGIF shirt. <laughs> yeah, tucked into like his khaki cargo
0: shorts with like yeah. a fanny pack. Yeah, it's the, like the,
1: the the biggest white dad tourist. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah, the so- like colored socks pulled up all the way to his knee with the the <laughs> sandals or sneakers or whatever he's wearing. Yeah, it's just so funny. It's like, well, this is how Protestants dress. <laughs> uh, and and they run into a guy who is selling his Prius for blue book value. Larry's like, I'm curious how you stumbled upon that number to sell it for, which is twenty one thousand six hundred eighty for a two thousand four Prius. And he's like, Yeah, it's uh, that's blue book value. And he's like, I just yeah. sold a Prius to my friend for. 5,000 less than that. I love the guy goes, ouch.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> he walks, walks away. away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but also, uh, I'm pretty sure Blue Book values are dependent on location too, aren't they? I do not know. I, I thought they were, but I could be totally wrong because, you know, obviously, like, not a, specifically, like, Arizona, California, but, like, uh, a a, a couple-year-old car in Florida is going to be worth a lot more than a couple-year-old car in Pennsylvania because it didn't have to go through winters.
0: Yeah, yeah. And maybe it... Yeah, that's true. So I think Blue Book value is just like maybe the nationwide accepted average, and then you're just going to have to look at quality... Like, what's the word? I'm not quality. But okay. yeah, condition. Yeah, you're going to have to look at condition on a case-by-case basis, I guess. But like, okay. I guess the idea is maybe sense. to give you a... Just a national you... average yeah yeah i'm looking up i guess you have to pay to uh oh okay here we go i just want to see what the current blue book value is for uh <laughs> a 2004 prius 2004 prius i wish you could look oh i guess i gotta sign up for it a... oh uh, really yeah. i
1: i i remember it, it didn't used to be that way maybe they well, changed it though
0: i guess i got okay price was standard equipment there we go what color what color was it It was like a was it, was it black blue. or gray okay it was, it was, blue. It was okay. blue blue it's interesting what condition is your vehicle in? What do you think Larry's was? Very good or just good? It, this was 2005. I mean, it can't be
1: too. Yeah, I, I would say very good. Let's say I very. Would say, good. I would yeah. say very good. Larry seems neurotic enough to. Well, then again, he did ram the doctor's car oh, yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah,
0: have some body damage. Yeah, I would say good. Uh, okay, I think I already did. Uh, what, so trade-in range is between 1729 and 2966 currently. Okay. Um, if you're selling it to a private party, the range would be about $3,000 to $5,000.
1: And that's for a 2004 in present day 2023.
0: Yeah, in good condition. <laughs> in, I'm sorry, very good condition. Let me. I can switch it to good. So if he was selling it to Jeff today, he might be lucky to get thirty five hundred for it. That is private party middle of the range value. And,
1: you know, for a nineteen year old electric vehicle, I think that's great. I think that's fair right now. Yeah. I think that's I wish, very fair.
0: I wish you could put it into the Kelly Blue Book website. Now, what if it was two thousand five right now? What would I what were Prius' going for? I don't think there's any way to find that out. I guess maybe I could go into like the car trader archives you know oh, <laughs> like that, that like black and I, white i think that's
1: more work than we need to put into it
0: <laughs> yeah i believe them that they uh, I, I hope they didn't do uh, too much work coming up with that number 21 680 but it seems high for a you know i mean it's only a year old car i guess at that point point. and so larry is kind of distraught that jeff kind of ripped him off but his mom tells him to forgive and forget you know give your friend the benefit of the doubt just like jesus would do Uh, and then we oh by the way did you recognize the guy who sold uh, you know who was who was selling the prius i swear
1: but i I don't i don't know who he was
0: i wish i could find i doubt i'm gonna be able to find his name because oh wait pat yeah pat finn i know we've seen a movie with pat finn i'm just gonna have to i'm gonna have to write it down because there's no way i know one thing pat finn is in is dude where's my car But you know what? I bet he was in an episode of Seinfeld, Um, too. Yeah, he was in. Finn was in. The Reverse People. He's the guy. Okay. Yeah, I think he's the guy who, like, stole. Elaine has to recover friends for. Oh, no, he's he's, um, Joe Mayo who throws the party.
1: That's right. This is Joe Mayo.
0: This is Joe Mayo. Which, Which,
1: hey, you know, now that he's been in both Seinfeld and Curb, Tim, that opens up funky monkey to be a potential what is uh, that patreon movie review oh you don't remember funky monkey from 2004 no a chimpanzee with martial arts training is pursued by the government after it is rescued from an animal testing lab by its trainer
0: this I'm sounds just looking like a google right now yeah oh have it's you ever seen on it Tubi.
1: i have not but oh okay like, i thought it sounded like I, I, something i was 12 when it came out so yeah. i definitely right realize yeah
0: I don't remember that at all. That sounds like a good down voter movie to do. Monkey <laughs> monkey. I wish it was a Christmas movie so that we could watch it. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't have to google Pat Finn now because we remembered a couple of things he was. I always loved him in. He plays Rick in Dude Where's My Car, the guy who runs the impound lot and oh, that's, that's one right. those are some of my favorite scenes. Rick. <laughs> oh, sorry guys. Like I love that. Um so uh, we might have to get around to doing Dude, Where's My Car? Because I watched that movie nonstop when I was in
1: college, I think. It's just so dumb. I'm down. It's, it's yeah. opened up now. We can do that, it.
0: That's a good one. We now see a montage of Larry really enjoying life in Bisbee, Arizona. They are, uh, he's going fishing with his dad. And then, Ted, I'm not a, a fisherman. I don't know how much you fish, but are you supposed <laughs> to beat them with a baseball bat when you uh- catch them?
1: Uh, you are not. You are not. You are not supposed to beat and stomp the fish to death as soon as you catch it. You, I thought that uh, was weird. you, you, you know, normally like put it in a bucket or put it in a cooler or something. Um, you do not necessarily need to s- fucking curb stomp it to death. Curb stomp, I like it. Like the show, <laughs> it really was. Yeah, I thought that was,
0: it was weird. I mean, I guess it was kind of a funny scene, but I was like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> this this season on Curb Stomp Your Enthusiasm. Curbs, stomp Your Enthusiasm. Uh, they go duck hunting. They go horseback riding. He's helping his mom knit. Uh, he's fixing a car. Larry's underneath a car. Just learn how to do that. He's roofing. Uh, he's actually drinking. <laughs> They're wearing, like, backwards ball caps and, like, chugging brews in a bar. And, and as we heard earlier, Larry just doesn't even drink. And so now he's doing all that stuff. And they have dinner later on, and he's learning how to cross himself uh, like his parents do. Um, and they go to church, and it's during this, uh, you know, very religious, uh, a very Christian church service that they're singing a hymn, "Go Tell It on the Mountain," I think. And during the sermon, the preacher is talking about the bond of friendship and asking yourself, "Am I a good friend? Am I sacrificing my comfort uh, for my friend?" Or am I being selfish? And Larry has an epiphany, and he, he has to yeah. leave immediately.
1: Very uh, very introspective moment here for Larry. We're not yeah. really accustomed to seeing that.
0: Yeah, he has taken the message to heart that he has heard, and uh, he knows what he has to do. And so he's flying home, and it is the uh, same flight attendant that's like, oh, she sees Larry sitting in the exit row, and she's like, oh, my gosh, uh, sir, we'll move. I'll find another seat for you right away. And he's like, no, you know what? I'm good here. He's now comfortable in the exit row and he and he's also wearing a like the standard like sweater vest, tie, blazer, oh God, yeah. khakis <laughs> like He's very Protestant now, and he orders a gin and tonic when she gets a chance. Can you wrestle me up a gin and tonic or whatever he says? Uh, so, Larry, Larry being waspy, we know is one of our favorite bits on the show, and and he's as waspy as it gets right now. Or, or I guess because his parents were crossing themselves, I guess he's Catholic. I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is, he's he's diving headfirst into the uh, the Christian lifestyle. Uh, so, at Richard Lewis's house, uh, Larry tells him that he can have his kidney, and they embrace. And uh, you know Richard Lewis is obviously very happy. and Larry looks at his clubs and, and asks, you know he sees a putter that he used once before and it like he was playing out of his mind. His game was so great. Can I borrow it for a little bit? Uh, but Richard Lewis won't lend him the putter <laughs> And Larry is about to pull the kidney on him like say, I'm about to, like in uh, the, the rest of that sentence, uh, you know, as viewers, we know is I'm about to give you a kidney and you want to let me, let me borrow your putter, but he stops himself. Yeah. I mean, talk about growth. What a great, what a well-written little arc for Larry here in this episode. Like he, he stops himself and at home, Larry professes his love for Cheryl. He says he <laughs> wants to have more children
1: N- not just more. He <laughs> says he wants to have children. Oh, yeah,
0: have children. That's right.
1: I forgot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to have children. I want to have a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> and Sh- Cheryl's like, y- you know, she's um uh a-, a little nervous. She's like, well, let that. That requires some discussions. Like, okay, cool, we can we can talk about it over dinner. Like, it's it's gonna be a, a one a one meal decision. Yeah, just part of the meal discussion. Like, oh, we can
0: talk about it over dinner. Like, what we did with our day, whether how many children we're gonna have. <laughs> and
1: she's more concerned with like, what are you wearing? Is this a, is this a sweater vest? <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, okay, we can we can have dinner. Just uh, take off your tie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> maybe take off your tie. I love when she says something and her eyes get really big like that. Like. It's just a funny delivery. and But Larry's like, you know what? I know why God saved me now when I was drowning. It's to give <laughs> Richard Lewis my kidney. That's why. Which, by the way, someone had told him before. If I, I believe it might have been Cheryl. But now Larry's acting like he came up with the idea, which is also funny. I'm um, pretty,
1: I, I think it was Cheryl. I think yeah. you're right.
0: Yeah. Which, doesn't that seem like a million years ago?
1: Yeah. And that was, I don't know what, a few weeks ago, maybe? Yeah.
0: I can't believe. Yeah. I mean, that's how season five starts it's
1: all over the place. Yeah. yeah.
0: I just can't believe it just seems like so long ago, <laughs> but over at so over at St. Matthews, uh, Larry is talking to the uh, nurse who is prepping him, AKA Craig Robinson. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, we not, we've not only had now uh, Mindy Kaling. We have had uh, Kate Flannery. We have had Oscar Nunez. Uh, we have now had Craig Robinson, We've just got Office alums, I mean, just falling out of out of everywhere on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm.
1: Do, uh, do we have to do a dive on where Craig Robinson was in his career at this I, point? Yeah,
0: might as well. Although, yeah, because um, we know from Mindy's last appearance in this season that The Office was already on the air. But yeah. I think it was like just starting season two, yeah. you know? And, and the I, Warehouse guys definitely were not a huge part. I'm sure he had been on an episode, but like... A, I, I the office. Think, yeah, was they, they not, were in. Yeah.
1: They were in season one, and they were in like the beginning of season two. I, I know for sure. Yeah. Um. So I, I think he was definitely on the office at this point, but you know wasn't what wasn't uh, as widely known as he is today.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the office wasn't a gigantic hit. Like in its first season, sure. Like after those six episodes, it was on the bubble, and they were like, all right. We'll do 10, 12 more, whatever it was. And it wasn't until season three, I don't think they they got the full pickup. And so, yeah, I think this to me was just like, you know, actor whose sitcom may not, you know, is a featured, you know, not even a series regular, is just like kind of a featured guy. Yeah, he's
1: a featured. Uh, not a featured extra, but like no. he's a he's a featured performer.
0: Yeah, yeah. In in this uh, uh this a fledgling hap- sitcom. Yeah,
1: yeah. In in this uh pilot plus order.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I think that's probably what we're gonna find. But you know, it's interesting too that uh, I don't know how his career kind of started, but I know that he was doing stand up with Mindy. I think before they joined the office, but they just kind of crossed paths there, and maybe even like toured together or something like that. Um. So we'll do we'll do a little shallow dive into Craig Robinson. Uh, obviously it's going to be kind of the same story of the other office alum that we'd heard uh, earlier this season. He is talking up about how much he's like, man, it's so nice of you to be doing this, but whoever you're giving it to, they owe you for life. He's like, you basically got a slave (laughs) for life. Uh, And Larry's like, well, you know, it's kind of funny because he wouldn't even loan me his putter. Craig Robinson is incredulous. Like what? You're giving him a kidney and he wouldn't even loan you a putter. He's like, that's just kind of messed up. But Larry in his new, found faith is very you know nonchalant and non-concerned about the putter you know that's not the way he lives his life anymore making sure that he is even steven with everybody else or at least has a leg up on them it's just not a concern anymore that's the other funny thing like along with (laughs) <laughs> Along with his Judaism, win his neuroses, which I think is funny. Like he's not a neurotic, he's not a neurotic Jew anymore. He's a like like Christians are all calm or whatever. But it is certainly you know in Jewish comedy, like the Woody Allen archetype or whatever. It's like yeah, you're you're very like skittish and worried about everything all the time. But not. But now that he's Christian, he's not. It's just another funny bit of his arc in this episode. Uh, and so as they're wheeling Richard Lewis and Larry to the OR together. Richard Lewis is just can't express, can't find words to express his gratitude. Uh, he's like, I can't thank you enough for, you know, I'll, I, you know, I'll give you. And and Craig Robinson is like, yeah, I guess, you know, you'll do anything except loan him your putter. And Richard Lewis is offended that, that the, the orderly knows about that now. Larry's like, I just came up in conversation. I wasn't saying anything. And so Richard Lewis, very offended as they're heading in. But Omar runs up at that point and says that I made a mistake. The cones are not your parents. You're not adopted. And Larry <laughs> freaks out and tries to back out of the surgery. But it is too late. And he gets pushed into this was another weird shot because he gets pushed into the doors and they open to like uh, blackness. It's a it's a screen wipe. You know, yeah, it's like and,
1: and I I thought this was uh, going to be where frolic started. I, I
0: It would have been a fine place to do it. Yeah,
1: because I mean, you know, like it doesn't have. The ending of Larry dying doesn't have him coming back, but like it just has like, oh, what an unfortunate circumstance that Larry's in now. I'm like, how many episodes have ended that way? Yeah,
0: true. We don't get any payoff, yeah.
1: It would have been very, I I think, uh, fitting. It wouldn't have been fine, especially for a season finale. It would have been fitting for it to end that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would have not been surprising and we would have been bitching about like, well, what's going to happen? I guess we'll wait till season six if they even mention it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, they just drop it entirely. <laughs> Which I still um, think might happen. <laughs> they might, yeah. It's it's a very real possibility. <laughs> Nothing's yeah. off the table with this show. Two months later. We, we get the two months later title card. Yeah. Richard Lewis is on a beach somewhere. With a beautiful uh, having, woman. F- having, having fun, running down to the water with a beautiful woman. And Larry's in a hospital bed. Are we to believe that Larry's been in this hospital bed for two months? I think he's been in a coma, yeah. He's been in a coma? That's my that's my
0: guess. It, it isn't it isn't said, you're right. And no one's really shocked when he wakes up, so maybe that. But just comas that were such a big part of this episode, or one in specific, that it's weird that they say two months later and he's still yeah, I, in there. You I know? feel
1: like if it was a coma, they would have said it, especially, you're right, with how big. He's waking up from his the, coma. The, yeah, especially with how big the Lewis Lewis coma story has yeah. been this whole season. I, I don't feel like they would just kind of shoo away from that. Yeah, but it's very weird that like I don't know that he's been in this hospital bed for two months with I think uh, he's been in yeah with either no improvement or just just very slowly getting worse.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that that's probably the most likely scenario what you just laid out. He's been there two months and just been declining in health ever since giving Richard Lewis his kidney, and now Richard Lewis is living it up with that perfect, well taken care of kidney. And Cheryl's there. <laughs> it, yeah, It's
1: almost like it's a kidney like swap, not a kidney transplant. <laughs> like they gave yeah. him Richard Lewis's diseased yeah, kidney. Exactly. <laughs> or they gave him both of Larry's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They gave him both of Larry's and they gave Larry both of Richard's. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, why did we do this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Cheryl's there. Susie's there. Nat's there. Uh, and they're all surrounding his bed. Uh, and Jeff is there. And he calls Jeff over first and <laughs> says that. And lets him know that he lowballed him on the car, and to give Cheryl the five thousand dollars that he owes him. And uh, I, is this where Jeffs goes? I-, I guess I looked in the wrong book. <laughs> yeah, yep. And so Larry's apparently on his
1: deathbed. Like a rabbi arrives to you know yeah, the whatever do- the do- doctor comes up, like listens to his chest for some for some vitals and just kind of gives like a like a, a disapproving head shake. Yeah. It's like a uh, to nope. to Cheryl and the and the rest of the
0: friends. Yeah, Uh, and the rabbi arrives to whatever the Judaic version of last rites is. You feel like Larry's. I was just going to say that. I'm like, what's what's the what's the version of last rites in Judaism? Yeah, I know there's something. um, I love that that Larry's like, you know, this is I'm I'm too young. Like, I always thought that when someone dies before their time. (gasps) it's because they're a good person. I've always thought that was a good person. And the rabbi's like, well, I guess God made an exception in your case.
1: Fucking roasting (laughs) Larry on his deathbed. (laughs) jesus christ <laughs> i know I, was... got, I guess god just made an exception in your case i'm like well yeah he took you he took you because you're young and you're a <laughs> shitty human being i love jesus. that larry's like I, I thought that was
0: gonna be what saved me what gave me a long life was being an asshole my whole life essentially and he's like well i guess god made an exception in your case um and so we, you know they're kind of talking about he's like i well i I, I don't know, maybe I could have traveled more, but I went to Europe and it wasn't a big deal. I got over that I like that. That you know, I, This reminds me of like the skiing thing where he's like, ah, oh, skiing is such a slap. Why do it? And like, you know, he's like, I went to Europe and it's like, great. Now I'm miserable here in Europe. What's the difference? Like this, <laughs> Europe is not great. Um, and there's something to that. Like I see beautiful pictures of, of Europe, you know, and they're like a giant mountain in front of this gorgeous town. And I'm like, somebody there, maybe most people just hate their life. They're just going about life like everybody else. And they're like, I wake up, I see that dumbass mountain every day, and I got to go to my shitty job. Like, just because they live somewhere beautiful doesn't mean that life is beautiful for them. Um, I think about that all the time. And (laughs) I try to, like when I lived in Erie, I'm like, God, I get to drive by this beautiful lake every day, or the bay anyway. And I, I tried to never take that for granted. Because somebody visits there and it's like, God, what a beautiful bay. Maybe someone like me is like, man, someone gets to drive by this water every day and see it. And we, you know, we had to travel six hours to to come to, you know, Erie or whatever. Um, yeah. Or when I drive, you know, when I come through the tunnels into the city, I'm like, beautiful. You know, we pointed out to the kids every time. We all yell city when we go through the tunnels. Um, and, you know, like <laughs> there's the stadium and I see the science center and there's, look at that. And so um, I try to, you know, it, it's just something small I try to do, yeah. but there is something the- to it. I used to be able to see it from my deck. I used to be able to look out onto the the lake. I did not take it for granted. But I agree with Larry's. I like that he was like, I went to Europe once. I didn't see the big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Europe sucks just like here. <laughs> um, and he hates packing. I, I wish, you know, I could have I could have traveled more, but A, Europe's not a big deal, and I just hate packing so much. <laughs> um, and the rabbi's like, you know, you I think he, this, again, he sort of gets in a little dig because he's like, you know, you didn't live a life where he meant, you know, talking about how upset he made everybody all the time. But I forget he says it in his like very, very rabbi way. It's like, we know you didn't live your life in a way that maybe you may, tried to make people happy. But it, can you think of anybody specific who you'd <laughs> like forgiveness from? And so we get this montage of people chewing Larry's ass. Uh, throughout the past five seasons um, which was which was very funny it was fun to live through that kind of like little best of montage you know as close as maybe we we're going to get to a clip show in Curb Your Enthusiasm world and but Larry you know after his life flashes before his eyes like that is like no no not really I can't think of anybody it, it <laughs> d- doesn't even say that just vocalizes a nah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and so he pulls uh, Jeff over again and this, his parting words to Jeff are to use less mayonnaise when he makes, especially tuna <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> there's mayonnaise in the tuna salad. You don't need it on the bread. And his manager, he says, I can't believe you made me do that Seinfeld TV Guide cover. I look like
1: a real asshole. Uh, that's all he has to tell him. I don't even know what he was talking about. Was was Larry on a cover as, like, as well as I, – I know there's TV Guide covers – there was like uh, uh, four different covers of all of the main cast, but was Larry on one too? Was uh, there five? With, one with Larry?
0: You know, I don't know. So there was one for the Seinfeld reunion on Curb Your Enthusiasm, but that would obviously be... What is this one? That's from, oh, th- no, that's from 2010. The TV Guide cover he's referring to comes from 2004, which reunited the cast of Seinfeld alongside a Smiling Larry David for the first time since the show ended. So there you go. That's not a Curb. I saw Seinfeld reunion, and I was like, oh, it must have been for the Curb reunion. But no, it was just an article they oh, did okay, yeah. with all at four it, of them.
1: Yeah, Looking at it now. Only yeah. $4 on eBay. Well, not bad. So much for the uh this is gonna go up so much in value, crowd. Uh oh, this person uh did not block out their address Whoops. on on the uh TV guide.
0: Yeah, so that is that's the one November twenty first to the twenty seventh, two thousand four. Jerry and the gang reveal the inside jokes, backstage battles, and psycho guest stars. <laughs> So uh, I, I don't think he looks like an asshole on there, but it's funny that he's been overthinking it for, you know, the past two years or whatever it is at this point, I guess just one year. And uh, he, it's so he pulls his dad over and he wants to apologize about the adoption thing. I'm sorry. I thought I was adopted. And and a callback to when Nat tells him about the adoption in the first place, <laughs> Nat thinks Larry wants a doctor. So Larry's saying no adoption <laughs> He's like a doctor. You want a doctor? No adoption. I'm sorry about the adoption. A doctor. He needs a doctor. He needs a doctor. So, I know. Uh, Susie starts walking over, and Larry just waves her off, which was hilarious. Oh my god!
1: (laughs) Just,
0: (laughs) I don't even want to waste my any of my last energy on. And you can see that, you know, Susie's always mostly a better person than Larry. But and you can see her stewing in the fact that he has no final words for her. But she, since she's a good person, she's not going to say anything. But you can see that she's like she wants to like call him a fuckface right then, like for one last time, like yeah, yeah, you know, like I didn't (laughs) want to talk to you anyway, you you know, like give him one last Susie chew out. But she doesn't. Uh, And Cheryl comes up, and his big final thought to Cheryl is that you know you've still got a lot of life ahead of you. Is it okay if I fool around until you get there? (laughs) And she, you know, uh, says that's okay. And he also has to say, by the way, I know it was you that misplaced the DVD case because I have a system.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I think we totally missed on uh, just talking about in the beginning of the episode, the the Sopranos DVD cover, Well, I guess we didn't really miss it. We, we talked about, yeah, Talk I more mentioned about, like the, the the width of uh, of the width VCRs of TVs and DVD yeah. players. Yeah, yeah, and how but, you couldn't um, really
0: rest anything on there. Yeah, but yeah, so you, I know, I know it was you. You misplaced the DVD case, and then he dies. <laughs>
1: that's his fucking final <laughs> words yeah. to his wife. It's like I know yeah, it was you so... who misplaced the DVD case, but.
0: Because I have a system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and his soul leaves his body. And so he's above the crowd watching them. And he sees the group argue over the $5,000. Jeff, uh, you know, is like, oh, hey, you know, b- by the way, that money's not a big deal, right? And Cheryl's like, no, I think you do owe me the $5,000. And so that starts a huge argument with the group. Uh, which, and-
1: which, again, Larry and Cheryl have hundreds of uh, millions yeah. of dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Larry... Fucking created Seinfeld. <laughs> he is not short on money. It's
0: the principle of the thing, though. You know, I mean, they agreed to it, and so it, it, it's it's owed. You know, when that that counts. Um, yeah,
1: but I mean, here's here's the thing: they agreed to Jeff looking up the value in the Kelly Blue Book, not which specific book.
0: Yeah, they. Yeah, they. I mean, and, and obviously Jeff did and screw he, him. He though. did. He
1: did uh, well, no, he looked up a value in the book. At least like, I don't know, a book that that's, that's his, that's his explanation of it. And that's,
0: he did say blue book though. I'll give you blue book value. Yeah. And, and to me that means maybe he just found a blue book. You mean,
1: <laughs> or, or the thing is, you, you know, we, we talked about earlier, the values are dependent on condition. He yeah. went for the cheapest.
0: Oh yeah. That I, yeah. I guarantee you. Yeah. Jeff probably went with the poor. Yeah. It's like, what, yeah. what shape is that car? And ah, that's poor. Yeah, that's, and that's, Larry that's, was that's probably, not that great, but
1: Larry probably would value it very, very high.
0: Yeah, yeah, at least. Even though Jeff was with him
1: when they fucking rammed the doctor's <laughs> car twice.
0: Yeah, yeah. So maybe or actually, that's what Jeff it was is. only
1: with him once when he did that.
0: But Larry, but Jeff is not saying that. He's like, well, no, I looked it up in the blue book under the, uh, you know. In the under piss poor value or whatever, the, yeah,
1: yeah. In the this dude doesn't know how to fucking drive. category
0: <laughs> Yeah, but so Larry then is transported to heaven where he has a full head of hair. He doesn't need glasses <laughs> anymore, and he meets his guide, who have been with him his whole life: Sasha Baron Cohen and Dustin Hoffman. Wow, is this
1: Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah. Holy shit!
0: I know. It's like damn. Uh, but I mean, and Dustin Hoffman—that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, legendary. No,
1: I—I knew. Um, yeah. Who was I? I was thinking this was. Uh, oh God, I don't know who I was thinking it was. I was thinking it was the Doctor from season two of Stranger Things. Uh, I don't know who plays oh, him though.
0: Not Matthew Modine. Matthew Modine?
1: No, not Matthew
0: Modine. Uh, um. Oh, 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 oh. Um. Paul Reiser?
1: Yeah, I was thinking it was yeah. Paul Reiser.
0: Right, right, right. Um. I, and I couldn't think of Dustin Hoffman's name. I was sitting there like. I was like, the graduate with, <laughs> and I couldn't spit it out. I was like trying to say, oh, remember the guy from, I was trying to like just say movies and, and it would come to me. And Sarah was sitting right there and I was using this all in my head. And I was like, what's that guy's name? And she was like, Dustin Hoffman. I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> she knew, just knew it immediately. Yeah. And you're just
1: sitting there struggling. Like,
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen was, I mean, definitely, you know, Ollie G at this point. I mean, I'm sure that was already on HBO. Yeah. The Ali G show ran, uh, from 2000 to 2004, and so it was he was already, already, already
1: on and already off.
0: And already off by the time he plays Larry's Guide in this episode. <laughs> and um, let me see if he had done, he hadn't done, he had done Borat yet. Borad yet, but he had done Madagascar, he had done Talladega Nights. So Sasha Baron Cohen was like well on his way. Wait, to... when was
1: Talladega Nights? I thought Talladega Nights was 06.
0: Oh wait, you're right, you're right, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yeah. So, and so Madagascar he, he'd, was he'd 05. He probably filmed it,
1: but he, it right. had not come out yet.
0: He had done Oli G. Into House, which I saw, the, the scripted Ollie G. movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was, I mean, he, this was definitely an awesome, fun cameo from uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. And then, of course, the legendary Dustin Hoffman, who guide him through. Uh, you know, they're, they're talking about what big fans Larry already has in heaven, Ponce de Leon loves marilyn monroe oh yeah marilyn Monroe. and this is great i love when when they refer to the site marilyn monroe she loves the seinfeld show as as (laughs) dustin hoffman says it i love it she loves the seinfeld show (laughs) she loves the seinfeld show and larry encounters his mother who i was like wow that lady sure sounds like b arthur but it's definitely not but it definitely was it was b arthur yeah really yeah awesome
1: that's really cool
0: unrecognizable I don't know what they did to her. Maybe I'm just used to her seeing her with that fro. And she kind of had like more straight hair in this, in this episode, but I was like, Oh damn, that was B Arthur. Uh, so that's an awesome cameo that Larry David's mother is B Arthur. And she calls him an idiot. And uh, they, they just get into a big argument about like, well, why didn't you tell me when you died? She's like, what does it matter? Uh, <laughs> and Larry meets Ben Hogan, one of his golf idols. Uh, and they get to play, you know, and it was great. He's like, you know, that sex or had a good idea about your swing. <laughs> this is a funny sentence. <laughs> For the legendary Ben Hogan to say and uh, they're gonna really? play a round of 18 uh, yeah because because Larry's psyched that they have golf in heaven of course <laughs> and he starts asking his guides about all of his past life events he's like oh yeah so you were there when uh, I forget I forget the life events that he brings up but these like a bar- embarrassing things in his in his past and they're sort of settling these mysteries that Larry has had his whole life uh, and also what about the DVD case and the guides are like did you look behind the couch? He's like, behind the couch? Yeah, because, because <laughs> you know, I knew it wasn't me because I have a system. And that starts an argument with Dustin Hoffman who says, like, well, you know, what you do is not really a system. Putting it on top is not a system. A system is when you have, you know, a, a, like a plan for when the DVD has no case. Like, a lot of people have extra cases there that they can put it in temporarily until the other case turns up. And he's like, and Larry's like, what are you talking about? Of course I have a system. I put it on top of the thing each time. I don't need the extra step of that. And that starts just a giant argument about what the system can or cannot be, and Dustin Hoffman, very perturbed, and Sasha Baron Cohen sort of pulls him aside, and they're, they're discussing uh, you know something, and they come back, and it turns out they're going to send Larry back to Earth. But Larry tries to backtrack. I love that when he's like, uh, you, you know what, no, of course I don't have a system. Your, your, your thing was a better idea. That was a good system, because Larry is loving heaven, obviously. it's It's heaven. And he does not want to go back. But I like when he's like, no, you were right. I don't have a system. That thing you do. That's a good system. I should do that next time. If I ever, I'll do that. But no, the decision's (laughs) been made. They're sending Larry back. We do see he does get to meet Marilyn Monroe. Larry, where are you going? (laughs) Which is hilarious. (laughs) Uh, And he comes back to life uh, incredibly. It's a miracle on uh, on the bed there in the hospital. Cut to Larry packing to leave. Now he all of a sudden likes packing, I guess. And we get a meta moment here where he's like, you know, when people go on trips in movies, you never see him packing. But we're watching Larry's about to go on a trip in a, in a TV show and we see him packing. It was just kind of a fun little self-referencing moment that we're watching a TV show. And uh, so it's hospital policy that he has to leave in a wheelchair. And so uh, Craig Robinson is there to wheel him out. And before we do go, though, Larry has to go to the bathroom. and He's like, you know what? I'll do the handicap. Uh, but someone's in there. And he's like, you know what? I might as well take advantage of this while I'm in a wheelchair and use the uh, the handicap. But someone's in there. And this guy walks out. And as he tells Larry, well, you know, someone was in that one. And so I just had to go. And he's like, you wait. You wait. Again, a callback to uh, very early on in this season. And Larry stands up and goes into the bathroom. And that's his frolic plays. And that's the end of the episode.
1: And the end of the season. Bingo. Well. Yes. God. End of season five. All right, Tim. What do we got for homework this week? I just wrote down Craig Robinson. Who knows what else okay. we we'll come
0: up with? Yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, what do you like for cover art this week, man? Like Larry as a,
0: a specter is kind of fun. You know, I mean, him <laughs> about there's probably not a good shot of every love of him and but Larry's soul leaving his body is is kind of fun.
1: Yeah. I, either like as it's leaving or like him floating at the top of the room. Is, yeah. Uh, is fun. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. I'll uh, I'll try and make that work. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had, in the season five finale, ugh, Larry is changed by a trip to Arizona. Man, I never would have thought of it. Yeah. I, uh, I. Aside from, you know, just my, my nitpickiness of like, <laughs> look, we we know it's the finale. We don't have to write in the finale. But uh, aside from that, it's really good.
0: Yeah. It's, it's pretty. It's just, I, I never would have thought of it, but it's great and teasy and and yeah, I, I I no notes. I can't yeah. fix it. It's just great. And, I,
1: and without even looking at it, I already know the season six description is going to start in the season six premiere. <laughs> this thing happens in this episode <laughs> that you're watching on this TV that you have in your living room that you sat down. You're watching it after work. Like, whoa, this is getting really specific. A lot of info about me. I didn't know you knew that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I think it's good as is, right? Yes, yeah, I can't can't change it. <laughs> All right, Tim, did you like this episode?
0: Yes, I did. Um, I'm I'm tempted to give it like a star just because like I didn't even get a lot of big laughs out of it, but there was a couple things that like heaven was a great sequence. The whole episode mm-hmm. could be starred just by that sequence. It was just so funny, you know, Larry being. At peace, but also being just as neurotic as he ever was, and the, the two great guest stars playing off him was excellent. So I, I don't know. I might. I don't know where I am, and I, I'm guessing we're going to save our wrap up until the beginning of next episode uh, because we're already running long, even for our non patron listeners. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm, I'm going to give this a star low, and then see where it ends up when I when I analyze the whole season next week um, because I I really did enjoy it, and it wrapped up the season. I thought in a very satisfying way. What about you?
1: I think I am in the I am in the very same boat as you because yeah. I'm thinking I was thinking of giving this a full star, but it was just something about yeah. it made me not want to do that. And yeah. I don't know if that is the fact that it was longer and I wasn't expecting a longer <laughs> episode, but it it didn't it didn't overstay its welcome, so I'm gonna also give it a star low. But I feel like uh, here's here's the conundrum I'm in. I only have two full stars on the season.
0: I think I do too. So and I have two a, star lows though.
1: Uh, I've got uh, I've got two full stars on the season, but I have got uh, one, two, three, four star lows. You are loving season five. Mm, the thing is, I wasn't. That's the thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you got to the end of it was like I liked this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked I, all these episodes. <laughs> I, I'm I'm surprised that I liked it as much as I did because I feel like season five is the well, aside from season one and season two, uh season five is the lowest season. So it's the middle it's a middle season, you know, yeah, it's mid pack season. Yeah. But uh I, I think there's a, a real possibility that the end comes in at that number three spot for for. Uh, top episodes of the season.
0: I might be there, too. I know it's up against the ski lift, though, so for me anyway. So we'll see
1: which one battles it out for bronze. All right. Well, next week, we have got Season 6, Episode 1, Meet the Blacks. Original <laughs> air date, uh, September 9th, 2007. So we're skipping an entire uh, year wow. now. Yeah. I, I feel like this is um this is the first extended break we get for Curb, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you can kind of tell, like, season, you know, the end, he maybe, like, wanted to end it after season five, you know, but then had this
1: other idea or whatever. I, w- I wonder, man, if, if that's the case, why not end it, like, with him dying? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, September 9th, 2007, if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see in the season six premiere, <sighs> Cheryl talks Larry into adopting the Blacks, a family displaced <laughs> by a hurricane.
0: Interesting. Well, I definitely remember this uh, episode because Curb fans very excited. We're going to be introduced to the great J.B. Smoove.
1: Wow, He's uh, joining all right. the cast. Yeah, <laughs> I I know. Like he's he's talked about in like you know the pantheon of great Curb characters. But we've gone five whole seasons without him. Jeez. Yeah, I know, I know. He's, and I, he's only in the latter half of the show so far.
0: Yeah, and I think he's still on. Yeah. But you know, I think Larry. I think he found a great comedic partner in JB Smoove. Uh, so you know, we will see. Uh, maybe he's not even introduced in this one, but I think he is. I guess we'll find out. Uh, is that it?
1: Yeah, I think that is it.
0: All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy.
1: I'm Ted Hall. be good.